0: Some of our young girls were sick today, and so a little bit lighter choir numbers than we had been practicing, but they've been practicing that song on Wednesday nights. Matthew chapter 13, and there is one young lady that has come in the past, her brother Mason and her are missing, Uh, her name is Ashlyn, and she is in a hospital in Sioux Falls with some serious illness right now, so pray for Ashlyn and, and Mason who is in his family as well. But we're going to go to Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, Matthew 13 and verse number one. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside and great multitudes were gathered together unto him so that he went into a ship and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore and he spake many things unto them in parables saying behold a sower went forth to sow and when he sowed some seeds fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them. And some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear? Let him hear. And the disciples came and said unto him, "'Why speakest thou unto them in parables?' He answered and said unto them, "'Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore speak I unto them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand.' And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand. And seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this heart, this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. So here we're going to look at a parable, one of my favorite parables in the Bible. I think it's because it's one of the few that he explained so it's hard to get it wrong. And it's also just such an illustration of life and of people and of our hearts. And So as we look at this parable, uh, we see four kinds of hearts and, course February being heart month. Four kinds of hearts as we look at this today and we'll stop and pray before we go on. Lord we thank you that that you've given us opportunity to open your word and to share it and to learn from it. This is a message that gets preached and re-preached because of the truth that is in there and help us to see ourselves in this parable today and that we would realize other people and their needs as well. Help us to hear from your word and that your word would be spoken and Clearly understood. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. He said, "These this people's heart is waxed gross, spiritual cholesterol. It's just gotten so hard and so calloused that they can't hear. They have physical ears to hear, but they don't have spiritual ears to hear. They can't ponder. They can't understand. Uh, and then he goes on and explains why he gave this parable about the sower." And the seed, this parable is also found in Mark chapter four and Luke chapter number eight, and the Bible says in Luke chapter number eight and verse eleven that the seed is the word of God. So when this sower is sowing the seed, he is sowing the word of God, and that's exactly what our job is to do as believers is just continue to sow the seed, just like the missionary letter we read a few minutes ago where they're continuing to just sow the seed, they're not being ugly, they're not being unkind. They're just sowing the seed because it's the seed that needs to be sown. There is no salvation, there is no Christianity without the word of God. I don't care if you talk about Jesus, that's not the same as actually giving to them the word of God, the actual word of God. He is the word. You can't alter Jesus and expect them to understand anything and get anything out of it. You can't alter seed and expect anything to grow. It's got to be the seed. The Bible says in First Peter chapter 1 and verse 23, it's an incorruptible seed. We're born again by the incorruptible seed of the very word of god if you're saved it's because someone shared with you god's word if you didn't get god's word you didn't get salvation you have to have the word of god in order to be saved and so the seed is the word of god in psalm 126 it says they that goeth forth weeping bearing precious seed just last wednesday we had a funeral service for someone who literally found some of our seed And because of that seed, it germinated and it grew into a salvation. That's the whole point of why we're here. We're to keep sowing and spreading the seed. I just grabbed another... uh a wad of tracks and put them in my, my truck yesterday because every time i go somewhere i want to be able to have something to give to people and to share because there's many times i've forgotten to put something in my pocket or that i've forgotten to say what i should have said or whatever it might be and to have something in my hand something in my pocket and and on social media to share and to and to constantly re re uh, give and re retell the story of the lord jesus christ and salvation we even have a card that has a QR code where people can actually use their smartphone and watch a video that presents the gospel in the Lord Jesus Christ and the word of God. All kinds of ways that we're trying to use to sow the seed. By the way, I, I went on and looked at that video and we're not the only ones that use it. Other churches use it, but that thing's been viewed over 4,000 times. The seed is the word of God and we must sow it. So the seed is the word. Now, the soil then, the soil is our heart. And so when he tells this parable of these four different soils, he's really telling us about the heart of man. And the heart of man is classified by Jesus in four different ways. So in verse 18, he says here, hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, the seed, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away, just like the birds, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. So the wayside soil, the wayside heart, is that heart that is hard-packed and unreceptive. It, it, it has seed that lands on it. But before the soil can even absorb it, and before it can and even receive it, it is snatched away by the birds. And of course, the birds is the wicked one. And of course, that is Satan. This soil is hard. Why is this soil hard? Well, the wayside was the traveled pathway, the area on which carts and horses and people would be traveling. And so the wayside was the harder ground. And the sower probably wasn't even aiming at the wayside, but seed always scatters on all directions. But the wayside... I I just liken it this way. It's it's the illustration of, of being trampled. And you know, in today's world, there are people who are trampled. And there are hearts that have been calloused and gross because of hurt, because of being trampled on, or the next blank you could say is abused. Abused. Or just neglected. You know, soil can get hard just by neglect. It can just harden and get tougher and tougher just by pure neglect. And what I see as a pastor and as a Christian is I see many people who have hearts like this. They have hearts that have been packed down. They have hearts that have been trampled on, that have been abused, and that have been neglected. So even when the seed is sown, it just kind of bounces And it doesn't really even have time and it doesn't have the softness and the receptivity to penetrate because before that can happen, the birds come, Satan comes and snatches it away. It's amazing to me how... Things like this can happen, such as a story I can tell you about when you're talking to someone about the Lord and and you can be talking to them about the weather and politics and sports and all kinds of stuff. And then as soon as the conversation turns to the Lord Jesus Christ and the word of God, all of a sudden the phone rings or all of a sudden someone says, hey, we gotta go. And it's like the devil comes and snatches away that which was sown in the heart. That's why, by the way, I think it's just a real good idea to just shut off your phones when you're in a church service. You might not believe this, but when I was a kid, I went to church and nobody had a phone with them. (laughs) And we all lived through it. Just shut the, why, why? Because distraction is Satan's number one tool. Distraction. And to snatch away the word that is sown. And so many times seed is sown and it seems wasted because Satan snatches it away before it can germinate. So what's the solution here? Well, the solution is, is that the hard earth is not impossible. That wayside is not impossible soil. It has potential, but what it needs is it needs to be broken up. Hosea 10 verse 12 says, break up the fallow ground. Every spring we pull out this machine we call a rototiller. And we start working on the ground. Because the ground gets hard and of course the more you work on it, the less hard it will be the next time. But man, if you've got a field that hasn't been used in a while or you've got a wayside that's been packed down, you you, rototiller is just going to bounce all over the place. You need a plow. You need something that's going to dig deep and strong and is going to bust it up. And that, that requires effort and stress and pressure to break it. Psalm 51 verse 17, David said, Lord, a broken and contrite heart. You don't despise that. You know, I don't wish a broken heart on anybody. But if you need one, I wish it on you. If you need your heart to get softened before you can receive his word, then I wish that on you. That's what you need. Can I tell you that probably there's somebody in here besides just me that would testify that it wasn't until the brokenness came that seed got in. And so don't curse God when he breaks you. You need that. That's what you needed. Don't curse God and get angry at God for busting up your hardness. That's exactly what you needed. That pride and whatever layer of callousness there. This is his mercy on us to break up the fallow ground. We were talking in Sunday school about people and how that we pray and we wonder if it's doing any good and if anything's, let me tell you something. Not only does God work on us, God works on other people. And if you see a tragedy happen, understand this, God just could be working on them. Not necessarily punishing, but working, tilling, plowing, breaking, It's just what god does i didn't tell you the story because i tell it too often but when i was preaching in psalm 23 a few weeks ago there's the story of this shepherd who had this one lamb with a broken leg (laughs) and they asked him how did the lamb break his leg did he get caught in a, a bush or something and twist himself around or did he fall off a cliff or did he get attacked by a wild animal and the shepherd said no i broke his leg you broke his leg on purpose? Yeah, I broke it on purpose. Why? Because listen, the guy just ran around and did his own thing all the time. And so I purposely broke his leg so that while it was healing, splinted, he had no choice but to be dependent on me. And I have to feed him with out of my own hand now because he can't get around right now. And that brokenness is going to make him soft and more respect, receptive to me. You know, God does that with us. And don't give up on the hard hearted people. You know, I've heard several stories of the hardest sinner in town, the biggest atheist in town, the meanest man in town. I've heard stories over and over again how they got saved. Don't ever think God doesn't have a big enough rototilla for somebody. You just keep praying and you keep sowing the seed. And asking God to do the plowing and the rototilling as only he can. That's the soil number one. They're not saved. Soil number one represents a heart that is not yet saved. Soil number two. You have here in verse five where he says, Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth. And forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And that connects with verse number 20 and 21. But he that received the seed into the stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it, yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. The stony, shallow topsoil is really just stony, shallow topsoil. Underneath, is a hardness that's hard as a rock. And in fact, there's rock underneath. Now, if you happen to live in the Black Hills of South Dakota, you know exactly what this is like. You can decide one day you're going to dig a trench. And after you dig your one-inch trench, you hit solid rock. And you find out that there is a thin layer of topsoil all over this place. And... That is something we understand and the the people there in the Middle East, they understood it too. You could sh- sow seed into, into what looks like on the top, on the surface, looks like good ground, but underneath it can be hard as a rock. Notice in verse 20, anon with joy receiveth it. In other words, immediately with joy, it temporarily has an acceptance of it. Again, I as a Christian and as a, a, a soul winner and a, a pastor, I have over and over again seen people who have immediately re- look like they received the word of God. They're excited about it and, and and yet what I had to learn and still have to learn and, and I can't always discern it because I don't always know I'm not God, is that what they want is all the benefits that they see that comes with the the, the gospel. I mean, think about it. You, you You come to church here and I think a lot of people and we have people that come in the summer and they come back every summer and they'll say things like, oh, your church is so friendly. We just love being here. I'm, I'm sure people will say that the most unfriendly person in the church is the pastor. Everybody else is so friendly. He's the one that's got to tell truth. Everybody else can just be friendly. I don't know if that's exactly right, but... But I have heard over and over again, your church is very friendly. So I can understand why people would say, oh man, I wanna, this is a friendly grunge. This is what a nice. I, I, most human beings are looking for somewhere to socialize. And they can look and, oh, and those, those kids look well behaved and they sing, I want that for my kids, or I want this, I want that. And, and so you can see those things, and, and those things are appealing. But that doesn't mean that they truly want the Word of God. They just enjoy the benefits or the things that come with that. I mean, everybody wants children that are disciplined and well-behaved until you have to start obeying the Bible to get it done. And it reminds me of the woman at the well. You remember when Jesus in John chapter 4 is sitting at the well, this this woman, this Samaritan woman comes up, and he starts a conversation about water. And he says, I've got water that would cause you to not have to come out here and, and... and haul water every day. And instantly she said, Give me this water. She sounds very receptive. You see, a lot of folks, I, I don't I won't go to hell. That's what I want. And and listen, that's not a bad thing for people to understand. There is a heaven and a hell. But you know what? Salvation isn't just some sort of get out of jail free card. Although you do get out of hell when you get saved. But a lot of people, I think, have maybe, can I say it this way, so quote unquote prayed a prayer, or turned over a new leaf, but it wasn't truly salvation. And what we see here in Matthew and also Mark and Luke in Matthew thirteen twenty-one, yet hath he not rooted himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word by and by he is offended now there ought not be offense to the word of God the word of God is is our friend and when the sun comes up it scorched the seed it says because it had no root tribulations test the root system dureth for a while dureth for a little while but that's all and it's kind of a flash in the pan, so to speak. Folks, I have seen many professions of faith. But not all professions were possessions. And tribulations as the sunlight. Now, we would we have someone here that, that knows a lot about botany, their whole life is about growing things. If I were to ask Mr. Pryor, is sunlight an enemy of the seed or a friend? It's a friend as long as you remember to water it (laughs) as long as you remember to have soft dirt for it to be in the sunlight should not be the enemy of the seed in fact the seed needs the sun but why then would the seed scorch because this seed really didn't have soil that it could germinate in and take root and folks again I want to I I don't want to overdo this but just because someone said words and just someone anon with joy immediately received it and parents with young people be very careful that anon with joy they didn't just receive something temporarily pay attention to that <clears throat> because when tribulation ariseth because of the word and it doesn't take long if you are a Christ follower before you find out you're going to have trouble If you're a Christ follower, like our letter from the missionary, you're going to people are not going to like you just because of that. A true Christ follower. A Christ follower who explains that Jesus isn't just a good man or a prophet, but he is God. We can't compromise with you and call him just a prophet. He's more than that. He's God. And a Christ follower is going to run into opposition And Jesus, when he was talking to that woman at the well, he said, she said, give me that water, anonymous joy. She says, that sounds like something I want. That's what I want. He said, go call your husband. She said, well, I don't have a husband. He said, you're right, but you've had five and the guy you're with now is not your husband. You know what he just did? He just tested her soil. Because I know for a fact that you could say that to a lot of women, especially women you don't even know, you could just come out and say something like that and they would be offended immediately that you would judge them or whatever. He tested her soil. Now, I'm not suggesting every time you talk to somebody, you dig up their past because we're not God, only God knows the heart. The point is though, is that I believe That this soil, number two, the stony soil, represents many professors of Jesus, but not possessors. And I think it leads into people saying, well, I was saved at one time. No, if you're truly saved, it's not at one time, it's forever time. But there's a lot of people who have a false profession, which then gives a false impression of what it was they had. The seed did its job, but the soil wasn't receptive. And so the wayside and the stony shallow topsoil. There is nothing wrong with someone saying, you know what, I think I was talked into a a prayer that I was supposed to pray, but I don't think I really ever received Jesus Christ. That might take some humility and honesty, but I'm telling you, it's the right thing to do And I myself had that time as a young man when I questioned whether or not my decision as a little boy was truly salvation. And I know of adults that have had that same question in their heart and mind. Let me tell you something. Better to have assurance than constant doubt. The wayside, the stony shallow topsoil, And then there's the third soil, verse 22. Verse 22 matches verse seven, and some fell among thorns. The thorns sprung up and choked them. Verse 22 says, he also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. Now, he hears the word. The Bible tells us faith comes by hearing. He received the word. But it says also, after receiving the word, the the thorns came up, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choked the word, and he becometh, does it say, dead? No, it says, unfruitful. I think this third soil represents the hearts of many people who are saved today. Many people, especially in America who are saved, they are born again. But what the thorny soil is, is a receptive soil, but it's also receptive to lots of other weed seeds. Weed seeds. It lists the care of this world. Hebrews 11 talks about how that Abraham chose to look for a city whose builder and maker is God. And if he had been mindful of the city which he came out, the country which he came out, he might have had opportunity to have returned, but he decided that he was gonna chase after a better city. In other words, the care of this world was not on Abraham's mind. I don't know about you, but the care of this world gets less and less every day. Here we are trying so hard to figure out if we can own a piece of real estate. And I'm thinking to myself, why in the world am I trying so hard to own something that I just got to pay more taxes for anyway? And I read the news and every time I read it, I think to myself, we are being run by a bunch of loony nuts. The people steering this ship don't got a clue what they're talking about. This is crazy. I'm in the middle of a funny farm. The care of this world is getting less and less in my heart and mind. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15 talks about the root of bitterness and talks about how that we can allow the roots of bitterness and things to destroy ourselves. We can't be effective and fruitful for God because we have this thorn of bitterness that that constantly festers. I know that we have gardeners here in the room And every gardener knows you've got to get rid of the weeds. You can't weed whack them. You got to pull them. You got to to completely eradicate the root. And the reason why we don't have more fruit in our lives is because we won't get rid of weeds. As believers, we're playing with weeds. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Stop with the care stuff stop with the anxiety that's got you so preoccupied see here's what i know about satan if he can't take you to hell because you got saved then the best thing he can do now is to just keep you preoccupied think of it this way if he can't make you bad he'll just make you busy if he can't make you real if he can't make you on your way to hell, and he can't take you to hell with him because you have gotten saved, then what he'll try to do is keep you from being productive and being fruitful. I think about sports with our young people. For whatever reason, sports is a God in our world. Is today not the day to say that? Sports is a God in our country. Okay? Let me tell you something. Sports is just a thorn. Now, if God uses sports for you to reach people with the gospel, that's different. But if all you're doing is wasting your time and your soil potential with something that isn't going to be real productive, it really isn't a good thing. It needs to get pulled. Mark Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Matthew 6, verse 19 and 20 says, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, not on the earth where moth and rust can corrupt and thieves can break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so Jesus said the care of this world, and he said the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. I don't uh, do stock market stuff, but I was given some stock market stuff as an inheritance and here's what I found lately I've opened up the letter and it said dear Mr. Furs and I'm paraphrasing dear Mr. Furs you had this much at the beginning of the year now you have this much have a good day well where did it go? the numbers was here now it's down here the deceitfulness of riches it's just deceitful it starts out to be something that we think is gonna, and then we finally, you're we, we, you're you're 40, you're 50 years old. You start thinking, all right, I need this much dollars in order to be able to retire. By the time you get to be 65, it's like your dollars are worth half what they used to be worth. Deceitfulness of riches. I can afford to drive this vehicle if gas is two dollars a gallon. It's four. The deceitfulness of riches. And we can chase and chase and chase and never get caught up with that thorn that drains all the potential of our soil. My desire as a Christian has to be, I gotta get rid of whatever the thorns are that's keeping me from growing like I ought to grow. I can't go down to my garden, my wife's garden and say, you know, I really think that that particular plant is beautiful. Look at how it's just a, why do you want to, no, it's robbing my corn and my tomatoes and my onions and my beans. It's got to go. I don't care if you think it's pretty. It's wasting what I want to do here. That's the same thing with God. (laughs) Ask God what he thinks about what you think is important. So I don't want to do that because he'll tell me exactly. The thorny soil first timothy 6 verse 9 and 10 says the love of money is the root of all evil when i get that letter i think to myself i might as well have given it to the lord i might as well send it to a missionary at least it would actually do something instead of just shrink I might as well find, and I need to ask, what does lay up my treasure in heaven, not on the earth? I can tell you this, my investments are mainly in heaven. I have a few down here only to get by. But I hear on the radio, Social Security is okay for the next 10 or 15 years, we think. And I didn't math, and I was like, well, that's about the time I'm going to retire We can't count on anything else. But I can count on the Lord. I can count on the Lord to take care of me. If I put him first, he'll add all these things to me. If I put him first and make him first place, he'll take care of me. He has and he will and he does. The deceitfulness of riches. And then Luke eight fourteen says, the pleasures of this life. There is nothing wrong with having some R&R and enjoying life. But what we are as a society, especially in our country, is just absolutely addicted to pleasures of this life. Again, today is a great day to mention that. The pleasures of this life. My son is twenty two miles from the Super Bowl today. His favorite team is the Philadelphia Eagles. I called him yesterday and said, Hey, you going to the Super Bowl? He said, Nah. I said, Are you sure? He said, Yeah. He, he said, I'm going to take 30 of my friends. I took out a loan from the bank, a quarter of a million dollars. 30 of my friends are all going. And then we were teasing about it, you know. The pleasures of this life. I mean, <clears throat> to take out of church to go to something is silly, to spend an exorbitant amount of money is insane. But you know what? Some of us might not like football at all and so we can point our finger at them and say, yeah, but but we got our pleasures too. The pleasures of this life. It might not necessarily be sinful for me to point to your boat and you can point, I I have a boat. It's not much, but to have a boat. And you can say, that is a sin. No, you really can't. Because it's just an object. But if that pleasure keeps me from doing my job now the last time i went out on the thing i took a young man who happens to be in the room right now i took him with me fishing teaching him how to fish to me that's okay and that's that makes it a little more tolerable especially knowing that it's not an expensive thing but if that toy is just robbing you of your potential we need to we need to understand something that's probably not god's will the pleasures of this life. Can I remind you that you're only gonna be around for about, excuse me, Delmer, 100 years. I almost said 90, and that wouldn't have been enough for Delmer. You're only gonna be around here for about 100 years, so why waste it all down here when you and I have the opportunity to send it to the bank account in heaven? Man, it costs a lot of money we have we have this LO in our our budget our church budget we have an LO LO stands for local outreach most of our expense i think is LO during the bike week LO we have we have almost $1000 just to rent the spot to set up our booth our booth, we have to replace it about every 10 years because it gets fallen, you know, torn apart from the weather. We've got to replace the thing. And, and, then, and then people make cookies and people make lemonade and people then sign up and volunteer their time and stand on the hot street. It's a lot of work. And that's just one example of, of the opportunity that we have and the, in the uh, privilege we have to share the gospel. But we just had a funeral of someone who got saved from that particular week. And that's treasure that literally is in heaven right now. Literally. And there is no amount of money that was too much for that. But it requires us to give up some things in order for that to happen. The pleasures of this life, the lusts of other things. (laughs) I'll be honest, I... I like things, and sometimes I'll, speaking of boat, I'll look at a boat, wow. But I had a wise uncle that said, Matt, a boat is just a money pit, and he's right. And most of these toys are. And whatever it is, the lust of other things, what I found out is it really is cheaper, more beneficial, more practical for me to rent something once in a while, as opposed to just owning it and having it sit in my yard for 11 months unused. the lust of other things. These things become thorns in our life and they, they cause us to not be the productive soil we could be. We read a letter from a young couple who has three little children. They've had dengue fever. The one girl has had hepatitis A but God is using them <clears throat> and they are being greatly used of God. The wife is the daughter of Brother Bill who comes here every year for vacation Bible school. God is using them to reach people. And you say, but that Muslim sounds mad. You know what that means? That means it's working. He's irritated because the word is making its way in. Wouldn't be surprised if we get in a letter someday that says, Muhammad got saved but it, cause, it requires us to give up and to pull thorns and to get rid of whatever is in our life that's distracting and hindering what we could be as believers. So I think that the third soil is safe soil, but not as, not as productive and not as 100% living up to the potential that it could be. Then lastly, <clears throat> the good ground. Verse 23 of Matthew 13. But he that received the seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. The fourth, the good ground, hears it, keeps it, and produces. He heareth the word, which produces faith, And the more you go to church, the more you open your Bible, the more you let God's word be taught and preached to you, the more it is good for you and your faith. Now some of us are going to church on Sunday and Wednesday and Friday because we have a hope ministry. But you know what? We're hearing more and more of the word of God. And these people, this good ground, this minority, they receive it, they understand it, They keep it and they do it. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. I appreciate my friend Ed sitting over here. He was one of the pallbearers this week. One of the reasons why he was a pallbearer is because he is the one that walked into this building with Cassandra for the very first time when she came to church. He brought her for her very first time and of course i bragged about ed during the funeral service and talked about how that god used ed to bring her to church to hear to start to hear more of the gospel as we were riding in the car up to the cemetery ed said now pastor you know tom tom was the other man of course tom's in heaven now he said tom and i were working together at flintstones and he said actually pastor tom did most of the talking i just said amen The the point is, is that when you and I get to heaven, we're gonna find out that this person planted, this person watered, and God gave the increase. There was a little bit of here and a little bit of there, but it was a team effort and praise God for it. And you do the word. And Tom, some of you know who I'm talking about when I say Tom. What a goober Tom was. And yet God used him. Because if there's one good quality that Tom had is he wasn't afraid to talk to anybody. And God used him. And Ed, Tom could talk, but Ed is the one that said, come with me. And they came, listen, I'm just saying that God wants to use you to do the word. It's not just my job to do the word because I'm the pastor. It is our job as believers to do The word. And when we do it, things happen. When we do it, we pull weeds. When we do it, we start to open our mouth and witness like we ought to. When we do God's word, and what happens? They produce fruit. Psalm 1, chapter 1, great chapter. Psalm 1, last part of the chapter says, But he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which bringeth forth his fruit in due season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Because he is a blessed man who does the word. And he is planted by the river of water. I think that river of water is like the local church. You're just planted there and you're just soaking it all in so that you can become productive and a doer of God's word. You know why there's this Bethany Wormley over there in Kenya who has three children and she had dengue fever and one of her children had hepatitis A. You know why she's there and she doesn't come home? Because she's got a dad named Bill Smith who showed her how to do the word. She lived in an RV her whole life, traveling around. Out wide open spaces of Africa is way better than cooped up in an RV. And she learned by the discipline of doing the word. and she, it's, it's a joy to her. It's a blessing. And they're productive. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Those who had a part in winning Cassandra, you can't trade that for a Super Bowl trophy today. (laughs) Those who had a part in seeing that young lady saved last week and she's back to today, there's nothing greater than that. That is awesome. That's worth all the world to me. Productive. Can I tell you something? There are times when I want to quit. There are times when our family wants to quit. What a blessing when another person gets saved. What an encouragement it is when someone comes to church for the first time. What a blessing when you see little things happen. Why? Because that's what we're striving for is to see the productivity. Of course, the Bible also says in Galatians chapter five, there is the fruit of the spirit. And that is also part of our productivity as a Christian. And it says at the end, And they produce a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. Not everybody is necessarily the same productivity. But as we allow the seed and God to use our hearts, our hearts are productive and the soil reproduces. I'm gonna ask you today, how's your heart? Where on that list of four is your heart? Hard. no real time to listen you're bored already like to get out of here Satan snatches the word out of your heart second you you seem to be receptive but the truth is it's just kind of a quick fix a, a flash in the pan and it wasn't really salvation that's something only you and God know number three you're saved but the devil's tricked you into adding this into your life and adding some of this into your life and adding the, and pretty soon you have a garden patch full of thorns instead of fruit or are you number 4 only you and God know that but i would encourage you today to think about that and then i want you to think about someone else friday night is an opportunity to bring some visitors they might not come to church but they'll come to valentine's dinner but when they come, they're going to hear a gospel presentation. And maybe they're one of those hard hearts right now. But maybe God will soften them. Maybe your prayer is that God will be rototilling on their heart. That's my prayer. Is that the hearts that we talk to are receptive hearts. And if they're not receptive, we'll, we'll wait again. And we'll come back later until God can work on their heart. And that the young people and adults in here alike would recognize I've got thorns in my life that are choking my potential. I need to get rid of those things. So that all of us in here, our goal is foil number, soil number four. That we are the last of those four, four hearts. That we are the fruitful soil. And let me close by saying this Several people in this room are saved. You are saved. Do you realize that most likely, other than God, of course, who gets the credit, do you realize that you are saved because someone else was productive? If it wasn't for their good soil, you wouldn't have gotten the benefit. So now it's our turn to be productive for somebody else. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word.